Okay, guys, you'll see the uh, the little prayer cards. They're the green thing, the green Christmas tree. So it's kind of a cool thing we're going to do. The reasons to praise God in here. All that's going on, and we're going to hang them on that tree over there. Yes, that's what we're doing. Okay, so we're going to hang them on that tree over there. And services may wrinkle some feathers. Praise God. Yeah? Who sometimes um, gets their feathers wrinkled? He chastens those he loves, right? And if you haven't been in hot water, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> who who uh, knows the church life and being a Christian, it gets messy sometimes. And you find yourself in places you shouldn't be. And you find yourself doing things you shouldn't do. And then you find out sometimes I don't know how to get back. The Bible's pretty clear. You just repent. Go the other way. Pete and I, we were we And uh, 80 or 360, and I was like, well, Pete goes, well, you got to do a 360 to turn around. I was like, well, that's what it kind of is. Seems like you, oh, a 180. We figured out between the two of us, oh, you only go, if you do 360, you're going the right way. <laughs> you got to do a 180 and go the other way. And we figured it out, but praise God, the fella got saved, and we're expecting him to be baptized soon. And that will be another sacrament we're going to uh, do in the, in the coming weeks. But we're going to talk about communion. And tonight, we're going. I'm going to do what I don't normally do. It's going to be a little more liturgical in that I'm going to read more. And anybody that doesn't know me well, I'm not a great reader because I have some dyslexia things and things get out of sorts sometimes. You, you guys familiar with that? When I read things out loud, ask Lynn. She'll tell you all about it. Guys once, will you read to me? And I was like, I, the words get all jumbled up, man. It doesn't... Uh, but this is such a really cool liturgy, and I think it really drives to the heart of what communion is and the way we should approach it. I suspect that in a church this size, 50, 60, 70, there are people in here that maybe there's something you need to work on. Welcome to the human condition. <laughs> All of us are working on something. And the Lord has his finger pointed at something in your life, in my life, that he's going, I want to deal with this. This is a great time as we prepare to bring it before the Lord. Say, I need help here. I, I can't do it. Anybody familiar with the Corinthian church? Okay, do this. In your, sometime this week, and I know that a lot of you are already in the middle of your plans, you might do, do a little um, study on 1 Corinthians and, and the Corinthian church. What a mess. This church was a mess. There was a lot of stuff going on in this church that should not be. A lot of the believers were doing all kinds of dumb things, and Paul's going to address that, and he's going to say, we need to take care of these things before you have communion, because if you don't, um, some things, there are going to be consequences to that. So I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to have you to read that uh, on your own time, but I'm just going to get, oh, let me do this. I want to show you something, what was done for me 
Do you see this? Do you guys see this? Do you know what this is? This was a nail. Some people say it was nine inches. Some people say it was bigger. I wasn't there, so I don't know. But I don't really care what size it is. I wouldn't have any of these nails in me for any of you. It is what it is. I might. I don't know. I'd probably run. But Jesus bore these nails for you and for me. Thy will be done. And he even prayed on the night before he was betrayed, let this cup pass, if it's possible, but nevertheless, thy will be done. These right here were placed in his wrists and his foot over the top. And, and, and he did this for you. He did this for me. Get the picture of this. Don't lose sight of this. Because sometimes we think, ah, Jesus crucified. This was a big deal. This bridge to the gap, our sin gap, was paid for by these nails on that cross. This church preaches the cross. Without the cross, none of us would be here. Without the baby being born, I really like that. Without the baby coming into the world and then dying, giving up his life on the cross, none of us would be here. Let's think about that. I was going to pass this around, but then, you know, given everything, we don't want everybody touching stuff. So, But as a visual reminder, think about that. He gave up everything, emptied himself for us. So I'm going to read this, and I'm going to read this, and then uh, this liturgy. And this is Paul's reiteration. I think it's cool for Paul because he was speaking to the Corinthian church. And in a lot of ways, I wouldn't be surprised if the Corinthian church was a little bit like our church. The church was uh, planted... <laughs> in an area where there's all kinds of things going on. What a great place to plant a church in the middle of a big old mess. Amen? He didn't wait till the place to get all cleaned up. He said, you know what? That's a great place to plant a church. I'm going to go in there where it's so screwed up. I'm going to plant a church in the dark, dark. Look at all the light. Light came into the world. Amen? Jesus is the light of the world. I love the candle. Is that great? So he could have picked good people to come to. Instead, he chose you. <laughs> and me. Praise God. Amen? That he chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And he's hid it from the wise and learned it. He's hid it from them and revealed it to us. Right? An enormous love like that demands more than just a cursory look. It demands more than just a cursory walk. It demands trying. So... I'm going to read this from, we don't have any PowerPoint or anything like that. And this is from Paul, speaking to the Corinthian church. And then we're going to break it down. And I promise I won't be before you long. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. 
For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment on yourself. Pretty serious, would you say? The Corinthian church was a troubled church with many problems, kind of like us. We say that all churches have problems because they have people in them, because when people are in these, problems happen. It's just life. The people in this particular church at Corinth were people who had no problem putting up with sin among other church members. In other words, they knew some things were going on. You know, as a brother to brother, you can go to a brother and go, hey, I see you're about to get in trouble. Can we talk about it? Can we pray about it? Because, But they had no problem. Just stick your head in the sand. It's not my problem. It's our problem as a church. And we know nobody's perfect, okay? Everybody just relax and say, look at your neighbor. I know you're not perfect. Seriously, look at your neighbor and say, I know you're not perfect. But, Shay, you know, but, but, but. We're going to try to be. They had no reservations against treating some people better than others. You hear me, church? I've seen that happen in this church. It's not going to happen anymore. You hear me? Treating some better than others. And I know, just for like, everybody's, oh, I'm busted up. I think that's a problem. You're supposed to teach me. I know there are people sometimes that you migrate to. You know, that's okay. But to deliberately shun somebody because they're not like you, or they came out of a different lifestyle than you, different whatever than you, this is what he's talking about. Don't do it. It's not going to happen. And believers, when you see it happening, you should go to the person and say, hey, check yourself. Because you remember what you were. And sometimes God allows you to fail so you can remember what you were apart from him. And it's not pretty, and it's not fun. But we can check ourselves before it happens. They had no problems or no qualms about withholding their food from those who were less fortunate. There's a lot of blessings in the church, right? And the second that we start keeping people out of the church because they don't have money to do food, I quit. I know Barry is in agreement, and I know you guys would too because we've been blessed so much. Is this hard, guys? Is this hard, people? At the beginning of the church, there was a fellowship dinner called a love feast, which was followed by communion. We're going to flip it. We're doing it the other way. We're doing communion first, and we're going to follow by our feast. Let's get the important stuff out of the way first. I talked to my counselor, and I asked her about this. She said, well, I think we should do it this way, because I think if we come before the Lord and get rid of all this stuff, we'll enjoy each other more on the love feast. I thought that was a really cool deal. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to deal with business, and then we're going to have a little fun with each other. Some call this agape meal and still place it in modern churches, much like we're doing today. Everyone was to bring something in this feast to share, and they brought with them uh, food and all the stuff. It's kind of like the potluck we're doing now, right? Imagine somebody withholding their potluck stew from certain members of this congregation. How would you like that? Now, you know what? Uh, we're going to save that for somebody that we like. We're going to save that for somebody. It's not going to happen, guys. It's not happening. Paul
Paul strongly opposed this behavior, and in this letter, he warned them that they were not honoring the memory of Christ's death for their sins. Guess what? I got some good news. We're all sinners. We're all in the same boat. We're all of sin and all fall short of the glory of God. All of us. Just because your sin's a little different than your neighbor's. In fact, he told them that they were sinning at the communion table. He wanted them to stop. Now listen to this. We're going to unpack this a little bit. For I received, this is the part that we just read, parts of it. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread, and we had given thanks. He broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, I also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Paul received these instructions from Christ regarding the supper. Paul was an apostle who accepted Christ after the crucifixion. He was one who used to persecute the church. He murdered. He put people in prison. But he was saved in a miraculous manner, like many of us. Paul went away for three years to be instructed by Christ. One of the things he was instructed in was this supper. So he shared what he had learned with authority in the Corinthian church. They were instructed in the proper way to celebrate the Lord's death. What does the bread symbolize? The bread was to represent the body of Christ that was given for us. It was placed on that cross for our sins for my sins and your sins. He suffered many abuses on his way to the cross. His body was already in extremely rough shape when he was put on the cross. Most people would have died from the scourging that Jesus received just getting to the cross. Most people did. He suffered on the cross. He gave his all for us. Praise God. Hallelujah. He didn't leave anything off. He did it all. Praise God. The cup, the cup was to represent the blood of Christ that he shed on the cross for our sins. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Christ had to shed his blood for us. The animal sacrifices, the animal sacrifices in the Old Testament looked forward to the time when Christ would shed his blood once and for all for the sins of the world. This sacrifice was the final one needed to save us. His blood was enough for all those who accept him as their personal Savior. When you say yes to Jesus and you invite him into your heart, you recognize him and you're by faith dying on that cross with him. Isn't that an amazing thing? Even though he did it for you. It's by faith. How about that? Is that amazing? Who's glad they didn't have to go up on that cross and get those nails? Who's grateful that Jesus, he did it for us so we don't have to? He doesn't ask us to die for him, but he asks that we would live for him. Paul tells us that celebrating with these elements, you're going to receive here in just a little bit. Are easy to forget sometimes. You know, we get busy. We do our things. 
We paint our houses, work on our cars, do our office work and all the things we do. And it's easy to forget one week rolls into another week and months go by and you kind of forget sometimes. That's why Christ gave us because he was he recognized. Although he was a man he was tempted by, he never sinned, right? And sometimes we forget. I do. So these times, that's why we're always encouraging you guys to stay in your word, to attend your groups, to have regular meetings. Don't stop meeting together as some in the habit of doing. I don't care if there's COVID going on. I recognize that we're in the middle of a pandemic. Let your fear be bigger than your faith. And there are times, yes, we have to do all this. We talked about it. But these things are instituted that we would not forget. That's what we're celebrating here. He wants us to remember what was done on that cross. We often complain about small sacrifices we must make. Oh, I got to go up to the church today. Oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. Compared to this, it's a small thing. It's a really small thing. So now that we know that what the bread represents, and then most of you did, but it's always good to refresh, right? Remember? Remember? We want to remember. I don't want to forget. We're prone to forget. What's our attitude before we take the supper? What's it look like? Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And I know that I think about that sometimes. I go, well, you know, um, what's that look like? And we know the big sins. Christians are pretty good to avoid it, whatever they are, right? But what, uh, what if he's talking about other things? There are two ways someone could take the Lord's Supper. Paul makes this clear to the members of the church, and he makes it plain to us as well. What makes the difference? Those who examine themselves before taking the supper. The ones who examine themselves before they partake of the supper are the ones who are taking it in a worthy manner. In other words, we're going in and we're thinking we're going inside, going, Lord, is there anything in me that's not of you? Is there anything I've done in the last week or two that, or whatever it might be? Lord, reveal it to me. Holy Spirit, show me. Show me where I've gotten off track. Show me what I need to do to come back. Show me where I've been neglectful. All these sins. We're looking for sin. Sin keeps us from a right relationship with the Lord. How many of you know that you can never be plucked out of the Lord's hand? Once you say yes to Jesus, you're cool. You're done with it. You don't have to worry about it. How many of you know that sin breaks your, distorts your fellowship with the Lord? How many of you had kids? How many of your parents have kids? That's a, that's a word question. Do you love your kids? How many of you are perfect kids? I know your kids are not. When they uh, do some wrong things, does your love ever cease? When they do some wrong things, does a little bit of the fellowship, enjoyment of each other cease and is broken just a little bit? You bet it is. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Nothing. No depth, no height, no whatever all they are. It's a lot. I still can't remember them all. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Nothing. But you can certainly get out of step with the Lord 
And I know what it's like. And I know that you, 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 you know what it's like too, right? But we want to examine ourselves before we receive this sacrament. God's promise to forgive us and restore us to proper fellowship with him when we agree with him that what we're doing is wrong. Those who are judged for not, those who are judged for not examining themselves. What's this group look like? Two groups, right? The first group's looking in, okay, Lord, I want to do this. I, want, I know what this is serious business. What you did on the cross is serious. The sacrament is serious. So help me, Jesus. They're doing it right. The second group is made up of individuals in the church who come to church kind of flippantly. Not taking seriously sin that may be plaguing their lives. It might be people who have accepted Christ as their Savior, but are living an uncommitted life. Those are sometimes called Sunday Christians or Saturday Christians, I guess. Part-time. Christian or CME or whatever you call it. Those outside the church, what they're called outside the church, that's what we in the church call them. You know what they're called outside the church? Hypocrites. This group is known to the pastor as individuals who sit, soak, and sour in the pews. They're usually the ones who find fault in everything at the church. Everything going on. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Blah, 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 blah. It's called an armchair quarterback, really is what it is. The ones who normally are not involved in daily Bible reading. How about that? You catch that? You know, you can head a lot of this off of the past by having a little daily quiet time. Because the more that you understand about the character of God, the, <laughs> the more you know that there's nothing good that dwells in you. And everything you have is a gift from God by grace. And so your uh, Jesus said, <laughs> he just cut to that. Why don't you, uh, why do you ignore the plank hanging out of your own eye and pick on the, the speck in your, look at your speck in your brother's eye? Why don't you worry about that? Why don't you take your plank out of your eye and then you could easily see, <laughs> you know? He just got right to the point. There are many things that separate them from God. This type of person should reflect and repent before taking the Lord's Supper. For the Lord will not tolerate this behavior. There are going to be consequences. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. When he says sleep in this, means they're, they're, they've, they've died. They're believers who have died because of their sin. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord. That way we may, be, may, be, may we not be condemned with the world. Many people become weak and sickly. This type of judgment is called chastening. Anybody ever go behind the woodshed with the Lord? Just two of us. I know pretty much everybody's story in here, and every one of you guys have been behind the woodshed and got chastened from Jesus because he loves you. He's crazy about you, and he wants the best for you. So if you haven't been chastened, you ought to wonder if you've been saved. Those individuals who accepted Christ as their Savior but are not living for the Lord will be judged by the Lord. If any of you is living a life of sin but is not being chastened or disciplined, again, you should check yourself to make sure that you're saved, that you're a true believer. He chastens and scourges every son whom he receives, Hebrews 12, 6. We see many Christians who are in this condition 
this, this is not my story. This is hers. I once visited a hospital room where a woman was having a health issue. She said to me privately that she knew she was having this problem because she was involved in an affair. She confessed the sins of the Lord, and she was healed. Before you involve your, in, yourself in the remembrance of Christ's sacrifice, repent, do a 180, not a 360, 180. Be restored and be renewed. Isn't that great? You can take the Lord all your garbage, because a lot of people are like, this is really hard. It's not hard. This is grace. It's grace you've been saved, and this not of yourself. It's a gift of God, so nobody can boast. You know what? If it was something you had to do, you'd be bragging, which would be a sin. This is a gift of God, so we can come to him with all our junk. We can go boldly into the throne room of grace and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I blew it. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. I just didn't want you to overdo it. I just want to talk about the good stuff. And Jesus is saying, before you come, Paul's saying, before you come to the table, I want to talk about it all. It can't be this way. I'd rather see you guys abstain from taking the Lord's Supper and just pass on. No, I would not. I wouldn't rather. I'd rather see you repent and take the Lord's Supper. But if you're not going to repent, don't take it. Don't do it. Many die. This judgment is terminal. The Bible uses the term sleep when it talks about a Christian's death. Here we find some Christians die prematurely because of sin in their lives. I had a teenager in one of my churches who had a problem with drinking. He came to the parsonage on a regular basis wondering what to do with this problem. I gave him some suggestions. Sometimes we give people, anybody mentor people? Praise God. I know a lot of people are mentors. When they're not taking your suggestions, it's off of your hands. It's on them. Like Ezekiel, my hands are clean. You know, what can I do? I have my own things that I'm dealing with. I'm worried about this big log hanging on my face. He came to the parish on a regular basis wondering what to do with his life. I gave him some suggestions, which he never followed. I think it's weird when you give suggestions and all you hear is excuses. This is why I don't do that. They say, well, why would you come and get counsel for something and not listen to what you've called your counsel? In the multitude of counsel, there is wisdom. And don't be surprised if someday the counsel says, hit the road. I'm, I'm too busy. I'm, you're not doing what, we, what the Bible says anyway. I love you, but go do what you have to do. I think God works with us like that sometimes too. Sometimes when you're not listening to the Holy Spirit, you're going, I'm just not hearing from the Holy Ghost. Why am I not hearing? Because you haven't done what he said to do the last week he asked him what to do about this situation. And it sure is cool when you listen, and even though it's hard, you get that grace to know it was the right thing to do. This was the right thing to do. And you're like, oh, man, that was really hard. Yeah, but you know it was right. And then that grace comes in and fills that vacuum that is left, and then you know you feel his presence and you feel his grace and you feel, yes, that was right. I did the right thing. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't have the strength to do it, but you gave me the grace because I called on you, and you knew it was going to be hard and required faith and required his strength. When I'm weak, then you're strong, right? It's so good. He needed to be with his friends, so he chose his friends over the suggestion. One night, his friends challenged him to drink a bottle of whiskey after he consumed a lot of beer, and he died as a result of the combination. At least it's a Christian song, Lisa. 
<laughs> they should be at church. Pick that phone up and tell them to get up here. Probably one. He knew what he needed to be to do. Most people when you count like that, they know what they need to do. They already know the Holy Spirit, if they say it's been working on for a long time. You come along and tell them, you know what? You need to do this. If you're asking my counsel, I would do this, this, and this. And then they go do that, that, and that. It's not my problem. I'm out. I don't have time. Friends, don't let this go this far. Cut the sin off at its roots. Scripture tells us when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. The Corinthian church had some real problems, just like we have in Misfits, right? We got problems. Guess what? The church over there has problems. The church over there has problems. The church over there has problems because when you're acting like you don't have problems, that's your problem. Because we were screwed up. Face it. If you're screwed up, look at your neighbor and go, I know you're screwed up. Go ahead and say that. Everybody say it. And then say, so am I. I'm screwed up too. The church today, just like ours, has problems. There are Christians who come to the Lord's table without examining their life. We just talked about that. We don't want to be like that. They're challenging God's word, and they will lose. God is going to deal with his children. If you're here today and have not been examining your life of sin, I would challenge you today to examine your relationship with the Lord. The full counsel, all of the Bible, as your life lines up with it. Your, your job should be, you're getting closer. I want my line to be more in, in line with what the Word says. That's my goal. doesn't mean we get it right. And I'm sure Billy Graham died 99 years old after serving the Lord's faith. It was like, golly, I just can't get it right. But he was trying, right? That's the point. Are you in fellowship with him? Are you keeping short accounts with him? You know what short accounts are? Short accounts are like, man, I blew it tonight or today. In other words, you don't confess like, Three months of sin. <laughs> well, Lord, I'd like to sit down here and really examine myself and talk about this. I got about 18 notebooks full. No, where did it, you know, we want to keep short accounts. Lord, I blew it today. I shouldn't have done that small hand gesture out the window or whatever, and that's a, that's a, a mild one. I've seen it. We had a guy in this church one time that I called out, and I didn't say who it was. I just said, well, because uh, I wouldn't do that privately. The Bible says, so I said something. And I got like seven text messages. Man, I know it was me. It was like, <laughs> no, it wasn't you. Well, no, no I, I know that you were talking about me because I did that very thing you were talking about. I was like, you too? Well, for Pete's sake, take the misfit bumper sticker off your car. Put on First Baptist of Botswana or something because don't rep, you're not representing us and what we believe. We're trying over here. It was just funny. If there is sin in your life, are you willing to confess it, turn from it, do a 180, and follow the Lord more closely? Remember, we're not talking about perfection here, right? You guys get, you get, get that? We're not talking about perfection. Only you can make that decision. The Lord's Supper can be a really intense experience of worship and worthiness, a time of repentance and remembrance, 
Or it could be a time of disobedience, which will result in God's ultimate discipline. Let's spend some time in prayer and self-examination before we partake in the Lord's Supper. So we're going to do this a little bit differently. This is how we're going to do it. We've got little Dixie cups because we're a mega church. We've got little Dixie cups in front of you. The bread's going to come down from over here. The fellow's going to pass the bread, take one piece, and send it over this way, right? Everybody get this? And then the fellows are going to pass the, uh, we're going to distribute the, the juice. Please hold your cup up, and they're going to pour it into your cup, and they're going to go here. And then when we're all done, we're going to have it celebrate together. But during this time, Jamie's going to play a song or two. We don't know how long this is going to take. We are misfits. We could be here till midnight. We don't know. But we know. Oh, and here's the thing. If by chance you guys aren't comfortable receiving communion because you're, you know, that's okay. You guys hear that? It's okay. If you're like, I don't really feel comfortable taking the bread off the plate. We have individuals for you. Little, you know the things we do. So that's okay. So don't feel like you're some kind of weirdo because your conscience is a little bit different concerning the communion elements. Does that make sense? It's fine. It's okay. So I'm going to pray. The fellows are going to uh, pass the elements out. Jamie's going to lead us in a couple songs. This is a great time to get before the Lord because you're going to have a good probably five or eight minutes to come before the Lord and, uh, and examine yourself. That's what we're doing. So let's pray, and then uh, this is going to be a really neat time, guys. And really take this serious because this is a big deal, right? Father God, we thank you for tonight. Lord, we thank you for the sacrament that you've given to us that we would remember Lord, because we're so prone to wander, we're prone to forget, Lord, but you already knew that in advance. That's why you prepared all this, Lord. So we pray as we take these emblems, we would go deep, that we would think about it, Lord, that we would uh, agree with you where there are parts of our lives that aren't of you or parts of our lives that aren't lining up with what the Word says, Lord. We want to be better, Lord. Peter said, be holy as I am holy is what you reiteration, Lord. So we want, that's what we want. We want to be holy. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So Lord, Help us. We need your help. Uh, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. to the love.
skies and it calms all my fears. Oh, when it drives the gravel of my tears, it's the blood that gives me strength from day. That was one song, guys. Praise the Lord.
For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Thank you, Father. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. Thank you, Jesus, for the cup. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again, hallelujah. There's another verse a little bit further, and it says the next time I'll drink, I'll serve this cup, I'll, uh, it'll be in the new millennium. It's when I'm coming back. The next time we have this, this supper is when he's coming back. That's the next time Jesus will have it. Is that great? It's a great promise. Father God, we thank you for tonight, Lord. We thank you for the sacrament that you gave the church. We thank you for having grace with us when we missed the mark, Lord. We thank you for that agape kind of love, that perfect love from the Father, Lord, unconditional, Lord, in spite of who we are. And while we were yet sinners, you came to us and died for us, Lord. Um, so we thank you for that truth, Lord. As, as we fellowship together, Lord, I pray that we would think about that. I pray that we would enjoy each other, Lord. I pray that we would... Uh, truly love each other with that perfect agape kind of love. Lord, so we thank you for the example that you gave us in Jesus. We thank you for uh, the writings of Paul, Lord. Help us to imitate him as we imitate Christ, Lord. I pray a blessing over this meal that we're about to receive, Lord. I thank you for each and every hand that participated. I thank you for the men of this church, Lord. I thank you for the ladies of the church that make all of this happen, Lord. We are very grateful. So we just ask you to bless this time together, and I pray the conversation would be fun. Lord, I pray that you would look on your people and how wonderful it is when the brothers and sisters dwell in unity, Lord, that we would be one of mine, one faith, one baptism, one spirit, that we would be like-minded, and there would be no divisions in the body, Lord. So we thank you for uh, what's going to happen. We thank you for what happened all those years ago, Lord. Help us to remember. Forgive us when we, uh, when we forget. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.